all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is the United States of America. Uh, I mean, all bad things. I get them mixed up. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Follow us Insta, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitch at All Bad Things Pod. Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord. We are here from you. F- here for you. We here for you. <laughs> we here for you. <laughs> well, let me say. We are here let, for let me you. say first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do all of those things. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yes, we are here. We are for here you. for you. We here for you. We here for you. <laughs> <laughs> and our Facebook discussion group, our Discord, and all are uh, good resources. Should you need them. We are here. We're here. And we will make sure that you get what you need. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. You know what we mean. And we don't just mean that. We mean literally, you know, if you need something. We might as well not even try to, you know, put a a surface over it. But uh, think of where I work. No, I understand. But uh, so maybe. uh, No, I understand. Now we can have a separate discussion about that. Yeah, that has nothing to do with what we just said. Wink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I am 45 years old. Mm-hmm. My entire life, mm-hmm. literally, my mm-hmm. entire life. Yeah. Um. versus Wade has been law. Yes. Mm-hmm. And now it's not, and it's really mm-hmm. fucking tragic. Like it really is, and in, in a lot of in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. it, it is. So the small government Republicans, like they like to call themselves, yeah. just became the largest government Republicans. Oh, but no, David, it's states' rights. Oh, you see? oh I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, that's when yeah. that's when it matters. Yeah. Is when it's convenient. It's nice. We all know another argument for states' rights now, don't we? We know a lot of arguments for states' rights that they seem to not consider it so to this, be equally applied this is a fucking weird time in america for our international listeners mm-hmm. and we know there are quite a few of you mm-hmm. it's please send help no <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, leave yes. us to die who cares <laughs> <laughs> one or the other or do both <laughs> do send both. help send help and leave us to die <laughs> um uh I've said this for the last couple of years. I pretty much have said this since the election of Donald Trump. Like, America's over. It's yeah. it's over. Yeah, it could be. Like, we're just but hanging around. And That's not going to be nice for people to hear right now. <laughs> no. It'll be really fucking depressing. No. So, it, yep, that's, in, that's entirely possible. But here's the thing to remember. We here for you. We here for you. <laughs> uh, we are here for you. So, and if we, you need we, something, you let us know. Yes, and we will host a disaster to take your mind off of the current disaster (laughs) that is the united states well here's the fun thing um do you know what's one week from this coming monday the day this episode will be coming out uh july something fourth of july yeah an episode of ours will come out (laughs) so i have a good topic picked Uh it'll be a nice good middle finger where it belongs (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, so to if our, I can do it in time, if I can research it in time. Also, to our international listeners, we mm-hmm. shouldn't just assume that they that they know what Fourth of July means. Yeah, the, it's the, our quote Independence Day. Right. Mm-hmm. End quote. <laughs> it's when we it's it's when the Declaration of Independence was written a year into the mm-hmm. war that we have with Britain. By the way, I didn't realize mm-hmm. that until a couple years ago. Yeah, I thought it, it happened earlier. I thought it happened yeah. in the same year, but it yeah. did not. The war started in seventeen seventy five. Remember something yeah. like that? Yeah, um, I'm not sure that I love who won the war. <laughs> Would we it was, be better I'm, if we were still a British colony? You know what? Or pro- declared. Independence years later? Probably be, probably. probably be the same. Um, we, we, would, we, we would really be hyped up about the uh, Oasis. Um, what was <laughs> the other band? What was the other band oh. there? Jeez, uh, I can't remember. What? And you would not know. Because no. you didn't listen to that music. No. Uh, oh, the, I don't really like Oasis. We would be heavily invested in the Oasis blur. Oh. <laughs> you know. Mashup? Uh, yes. <laughs> um... And we would drink a lot of tea. Well, what's ironic is that Independence Day is a pretty bold thing to say for a, a well, nascent it, country that was implementing slavery. Like, that, that's, that's not independence. That's, that's, Fuck that's you. Not, no. <laughs> the, the rich white people would be like, we're, we're going to be independent from everybody else from here on out. It was rich but they, but white they, abled men saying, hey, but we're they, independent. But they did put it in writing on a document on... July 4th, 1776. And then apparently they wrote a constitution that Mm -hmm. we can never change and never interpret differently. Period. End of story. Forever and ever. That's what some idiots... Because they were infallible and perfect. That's what some idiots think. Mm -hmm. Um, And you have to just bring up to them... The constitution started with 10 amendments and now we have 27. How did we get the extra 17? Oh, because it's a living document. It's Mm not static. Yeah. But anyway... How are things going in New Zealand? <laughs> because we're scouting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're checking we're checking out places. Yes. Portugal. Portugal, are you Portugal, listening? Portugal, Spain, <laughs> Canada. Uh, I've always t- loved the snow. It's too cold. No. I, I'm not going to Canada. Beggars cannot be choosers. That my is friend. true. If, <laughs> if if I have to go to Canada, I'll be fine. But I don't I would like to go to Canada. I like that, Canada. You say that now. You have not been through a winter. Again, <laughs> you constantly forget that I did live in Minnesota. When you were a kid, and for just a couple of years. And that I lived in Boston while an adult for an entire semester. So I am aware... It's not the same. Of, I don't like snow, <laughs> but I am well aware of what it in, entails to live in such tundra. I'm picking Portugal. Well, enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> See you there, maybe. <laughs> what you drinking? Uh, I am drinking the finest national local beer. Should you use the word national at this point? I'm drinking the finest union. Are they unionized? Uh, well, I meant union as in, like, not the Confederacy. Oh, oh. The finest union local beer, nationally unionized. Something like that. Okay. What are you drinking? Guinness. There you go. Mm-hmm. Out of the can, because it's blasphemy, apparently. Ah, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I like beverages in a can. I do. Yeah, it's, I think it's better. I do, too. I was a bottle person for the longest time. You're a little far away from the That's okay. Mic. They can still hear it. No, <laughs> no, 
<laughs> Zero fucks what, have been given in this what, recording. What I'm saying doesn't really matter. <laughs> Hopefully everybody can hear David, who's sitting like halfway across the room. Well, I'm just, I'm comfortable. You're like, just comfortable. Yeah. Okay. All right. Like, I, I do have to do physical work during the week, so I'm just chilling out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, should we get into a different disaster? Uh, a non, or is this, does this take place in the United States? It does not. Oh. This one's got no U- U.S. ties. <laughs> that we know of. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> well, actually, there is a mention. Anyway, we'll get into it. So, this is the story of the Stardust Mystery, or BSAA Flight CS-59. No. On August 2nd, 1947, British South American Airways flight CS-59, the Stardust, left Buenos Aires, Argentina, for Santiago, Chile. The flight disappeared over the Andes Mountains without a trace. The fucking same thing that happened to... Alive? People. Yes. Yeah. That's the, that's the route <laughs> they were flying. N- not exactly. I thought they were going from were Buenos going- Aires to... That's a good guess, but they were going from Montevideo. Oh, you're in right. In Uruguay. That, you're right. But they mm-hmm. did pass over the Andes Mountains. They did. This This all took place very close to that. We'll get into it. We'll get into all of it. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, no. I'm, I will never fly in South America. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe just not over the Andes, you know? I'm just, go- I'm, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> singling just out South America. Off. I'm just going to be... <laughs> we talked about retiring in Uruguay, though. Uh, we'll take a ship. <laughs> That'll be easier. <laughs> Primary sources are the BBC, Coagulopath, Damn Interesting, FlyWithTheStars.co.uk, The Guardian, History.com, Pilot and Plane Magazine, Simple Flying, This Day in Aviation, and Wikipedia. All right. So one of the most interesting aspects of this plane crash is the context in which it occurred, which also left things open to certain conspiracy theories. Sure. So this is the winter... Because it's... 1947, uh-huh. This is August, but it's the Southern Hemisphere. And... Uh, it's the ni- winter of 1947. And in 1947, uh, personal transport by plane is not really a thing. It's, it's not it's, as it's, much... There are commercial flights at this there point. There are. There are. This is a commercial flight. Few and far flight. between, and they cost a lot of money, but... And they at, don't carry many passengers. This time, flight was pretty much for people who were in the military. Well... People, people in the military knew flight, but mm-hmm. regular civilians did not. Well, I mean, to an to extent, an extent yeah. yeah. So this is nineteen 19- people in our time. Mm-hmm. At that time, you know what I mean, like right. We wouldn't be just flying willy nilly. No. Yeah, no, we wouldn't afford be able to afford to, or even really have the aside from, like we wouldn't really have the knowledge of other right. places or, or the will to. It's just like why would like yeah. we can just drive there, uh, it, like it, well. I mean, in the U.S., yeah, yeah, but if you're going to go to another continent, maybe not. That's true, you know. too. Yeah, that's true. So, um, so this is winter of 1947, August, in South America. Mm. It's a very interesting time in this continent. <laughs> oh, yeah, because all the fucking Nazis so, are fucking... <laughs> do you remember when we did the yes. Republica Cromagnon nightclub yes, fire? I do. In yes, Ar- It was in Argentina. Mm-hmm. It was in Buenos Aires. That was a terrible and, episode. Yeah, and we discussed the rat lines. And terrible as far as the tragedy goes. Right. We discussed the rat lines mm-hmm. that Juan Peron opened yes. up. 
and he was just one guy. <laughs> I mean, there were there were multiple Juan yes. Perones. Well, there was a lot of um, a lot of enabling of that throughout yeah, South America, which which we didn't even really find out about until about 15, 20 years ago. I don't like, know like when it, it was discovered, but Juan Perón made it like a um, an open thing. Yeah, that it's was like, not a secret. It's like if you were a Nazi, you'll be safe in Argentina. Uh, well, yeah, basically. But so we're going to talk a little bit more, like a little differently here. So World War Two was a highly destabilizing time the world God, over. Yeah. South yeah. America was not an exception. So after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, most of Latin America, which that's, you know, like Central America, Central America. Yeah. the Caribbean, mm-hmm. certain parts of the Caribbean. And we, South we've America. bombed every single one of those countries at least well, once. Well, there's a lot we could get into. (laughs) Um, So most of Latin America either declared war on Axis powers or severed their ties with them, Mm. like their trade ties. Their their hegemony was... Yeah, and that that destabilized trade in all of Latin America. Of course it did. It did, you know, in many places, but we're specifically talking about Latin America. Mm -hmm. So very quickly, countries like Argentina, Chile, Peru, and Venezuela became entirely dependent on their trade with the U.S. Yes. Like it was like, and with okay. North America overall, they they, yeah. they mm-hmm. depended on trade with Canada too. Right. Yeah. That's um, fair. That's fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the U.S. and is... and with Mexico, I mean, Mexico was not harmed. That Again, much. we're talking about all of Latin America, I so know, they still it's... traded within each other. Yes. But Mexico's part of Latin America. It's Central True. America, but it's part of Latin America. So it's like that hemisphere. At least I think so. That uh, yes, that hemisphere, our hemisphere, did not really get touched that much. Not not at all. Oh, you mean. Where where we live, North and South America, oh, okay. didn't physically as far as active battle feel stuff, the effects yeah. of the war. Mm-hmm. Or or I well, mean, yes, in terms of supply shortages sure. and things like that, people died yeah, as actually, a result of yeah, that. You're stuff. right. You're correct. We're seeing now what happens to people when supply chains are disrupted. Yes, you know so, yeah, we're, and it we're, includes we're, a lot we're, of devastation. We're seeing what the problem is with uh, like if all your supply supply chains are international, they're not local. What happens? Well, even if they are, but they're, oh, a monopoly. Yeah, that too. <laughs> you know. <laughs> anyway. Um, Everything sucks. <laughs> so the U.S. was demanding unprecedented exports due to its own shortages and were willing to play, pay a high price for it. Unfortunately, when you ship all of your resources to another country, so basically the U.S. was like saying, well, we're still trading with South America. Give us all your shit. And, and they were able to pay really high prices for mm-hmm. it. But if you ship all your stuff overseas or to another country, your re- own residents don't have those resources. So, and there's not much left behind for domestic production. And that produced severe shortages for the citizens and residents of South America, as well as high inflation. The effect of the war was not universal in all South America. So Argentina did well in its trade with the U.S., even though there was a strong German presence in the country. And there has been for a long time, even prior to this. Um, Peru capped prices to try and control things, but that had the unintended effect of capping its foreign reserves as well. And Venezuela was able to sell its oil at like an extremely high price. So it depended on where, what country they were affected differently. So before the U.S. was even officially part of World War II, in March of 1941, President Roosevelt signed the Lend-Lease Act, which provided huge amounts of aid to Allied forces throughout the world sure. through the entire length of the rest of the war. Yeah, we, we, we were involved in World War yeah, II oh, before... before 
mm-hmm. we were militarily because it was going on. All these other countries were at war right. for three years, mm-hmm. and of course we helped some countries financially, gave right. them. Well, so let's talk about this yeah. one. The Lend-Lease yeah. Act. The total cost of the Lend-Lease Act to the U.S. was just over $50 billion. Today, that's 700 to $800 billion. It's our military budget today. For one year. Yeah. <laughs> but but that is our, that is yes, our military is. budget. Yes, yeah. it is. Mm-hmm, roughly. The whole of Latin America received some of that money. Um, around four hundred million, or today six to eight billion, especially Brazil, which was a desired location for Allied bases due to its relative proximity overseas to West Africa. It was due west of there, right? Argentina and Chile didn't get much of the federal funds at all because they were among the few Latin American nations to not completely sever ties with Axis nations. So the inequitable effects of trade and funding resulted in destabilizing the region politically. Mm -hmm. Which was the whole point. (laughs) Demetrius is on my nerves tonight. He started whinging so early. Uh, Does he have to use the bathroom? No. He's just whinging. Okay. But I I was going to say, uh, for uh, history fans out there, look at a map of Africa, the continent, Mm -hmm. in like 1913... And then look at it year by year up until like 1952. Yeah. Like it changes so, dra- so drastically mm-hmm. like every year. Yeah. A, bi- a big one was because of World War One, mm-hmm. And then World War Two came along right. and like, okay, we need to redraw these lines again. Right. And yeah. So old grudges from past conflicts between mm. South American nations came back up, including the historic <laughs> rivalry... Between Brazil and Argentina, yeah. since Brazil was benefiting from increased American military power. Are you saying uh, countries are like people and they hold grudges against each other? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I can't say anything because I'm a big grudge holder. Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a that's why, grudge that's, holder. That's why I don't trust you Brits quite enough. <laughs> we had to go to war with you twice. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, Juan Perón ran for president of Argentina on the promise of balancing out the powers, which is what helped him win his election, placing him into power in 1946, despite the fact that three years earlier, (laughs) in 1943, he was involved in the coup against Mm -hmm. a previously democratically elected president, Ramon Castillo. I do know this this time period. Mm -hmm. Um... It does not come up in World War II ethos very often, mm-hmm. but it is important because the now president of this time period of Argentina mm-hmm. is welcoming Nazis. Yes, and that was kind of the that was the push and pull well, politically. And he, and he helped oust. <laughs> yes, he helped perform a coup. Yeah, and then he was elected. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Oh wait, we did we just experience <laughs> the same thing? Like. Well, we might well we might experience someone directly involved in a coup being elected. Yeah. Yeah. So regardless, regardless (laughs) of trade dependency with the states, Latin America would would remain linked to Europe, including Great Britain. In January 1944, five British shipping lines got together and formed British Latin American Airlines, also known as Blair, to be the air counterpart of their sea shipping endeavors. When World War II ended the following year, the United Kingdom wanted to make sure there were sufficient flights from the UK to the rest of the world. Sure. So the British Overseas Airways Corporation, or BOAC, 
flew in from Miami Beach, B-O-A-C. Didn't get to bed last night. On the way, the paper bag was on my knee. Man, I had a dreadful flight. I'm back in the USSR. Paul McCartney. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Beatles, the Beatles. but yes. Yeah. He you know how lucky you, you are, are, boy. Back in the U.S., back in the U.S., back in the USSR. Yes. So anyway, that stands for British Overseas Airway Corporation. Yeah, um, they they were like they were like we have a trade route we need to keep well, open. Well, so BOAC yeah. is who handled service to North America, mm-hmm. the British Empire, which yeah. is still a thing, and Asia. Then British European Airways or BEA handled domestic and European service, so they still needed coverage to the Caribbean, Africa, yes. and South America. There aren't as many as I would like, but what I have been watching for the past I don't know six seven months mm-hmm. are post World War II documentaries right. like the reconstruction area Such in an different countries time. Yeah. crazy <coughs> mm-hmm. that's, that's I mean, what we're talking about here this yes. is 47 and south america yeah. and north america hardly felt anything compared to what europe well, comparatively because that's where the actual yes. fighting took place i sure. mean it's it's mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so the main uh sorry uh the so Blair, the uh, British Latin American airline, stepped into the role of providing like, we'll step up. service. We yeah. got this. So they renamed themselves British South American Airways Corporation. Now, this is also like basically nationalized, sure. too. So that's yeah. just something to keep. So this is one of the wonderful uh, <laughs> It Pays, it to, pays fly. to Fly adverts <laughs> of the day. That's actually pretty good for uh, back in the day. Yeah. Good mm-hmm. color. Mm-hmm. Look, at, look at the colors. Look at the colors. <laughs> so the first flight route was the BSAA Starlight from London to Buenos Aires, which took off as the first departure from the newly opened London Airport, now known as Heathrow, <laughs> oh, on January yeah. 1st, 1946. Wow. Yeah. So Heathrow opened like January 1st of the year. Right after the war, 1946. And was at the time and is still, like, one of the biggest airports oh, in the world. Oh, it's a huge airport. Like, as far as planes mm-hmm. coming in and going out. Major hub. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, BSAA's earliest aircraft were Royal Air Force Avro Lancaster bombers that sure. were repurposed into passenger aircraft yeah, and that's, named the yeah. Avro Lancastrian. That kind of mm-hmm. makes sense, too. Yeah, it really, so they it really does. their old yep. bombers. So, here's... An example. So I, it's like we still. It's top, like we spent all these money, all this money on the all these planes. We need to use now. Them what still. are we going to do yeah. with them? The war so is over. That's the bomber, mm-hmm. and that's yep. it repurposed. Yeah. So makes, you can see they. And I'm sure they use these to carry mail and stuff like that. And but they had to repurpose right all, they, all of them. Right. They repurposed the bombers. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, reduce, reuse, recycle. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So then, moving forward, new planes were produced as Avro Lancastrians. So basically, they repurposed these old uh, these old bombers, but then they started manufacturing mm. the like that as a new sure. model. Sure. So, um, so again, again, a, a, basically a jobs program is. Well, I mean, plus also creating yeah. needed. Things. Yeah. They, they needed more planes. It had to be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the Stardust, the plane we're discussing today, was one of those manufactured planes. So it was mm-hmm. not a, like a, a upcycled no. bomber. But it was built in that vein, right? So um, And that was the HMA Stardust. So BSAA named many of their aircraft a variant of Star. So that's why there was the Starlight, the Stardust, etc. We'll, we'll mention a couple more later. So... 
Stardust was an Avro 691 Lancastrian 3, and that was a model specifically built for BSAA by AV Rowan Company Limited. Um, it's as British as British made as it comes, not only being by AV Rowan Company Limited, but it was built in Cheshire, England. Ah, Cheshire. Mm-hmm. Like the cat. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was 23 meters or almost 77 feet long, had a wingspan of 31 meters or 102 feet, and a height of 6 meters or 19 and a half feet. It ran off of four Rolls-Royce engines. No shit. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yep. That's right. Rolls-Royce is England. It is. Mm. I don't know that I knew that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can't, you kind of forget that because internationally they, I mean, don't produce, you know, such not, uh, knowing things on a mass scale like Germany does, like Australia does, mm-hmm. except, but yes, uh, Rolls-Royce is British. I, okay. I, I kind of forget about I that. I just picture the cars, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And the old-fashioned ones. Uh, when the zombie apocalypse happens, we're stealing a Rolls Royce. They're tanks? Yes, they are okay. fucking tanks. We, we will only be able to go 100 miles. <laughs> right. But we'll be safe. Because of the lack but, of but, gas. But we, we will be really safe yeah. in those 100 miles. <laughs> so the Stardust was one of 18 Lancastrian 3s made for BSAA. The Stardust's first flight was either <laughs> on November 11th, 1945... Or November 27th, 1945. I saw reference to both. There's some details that are super murky here. So, I mean, it was a long time ago, but. Yeah. So some of the sources, uh, yeah, are a little murky. I wrote that in. Anyway, so Stardust was delivered to BSAA on January 12th, 1946, where it was named and registered as G-A-G-W-H. And I think I, yeah, that was the, that's literally it there. That's Stardust. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Nice. So, uh, Stardust was also the uh, the file they were looking for in uh, Star Wars Rogue One. Oh, was it now? Yes. Hmm. Which was a great movie. Hmm. Yes, yeah, Rogue One was good. Mm-hmm. Um, so Stardust was placed in service in March 1946, where it flew for over a year with no uh, incidents, and it racked up 1,655 flight hours. Okay. So, this, so it's a serviceable mm, plane. It's doing fine. Yeah. This, yeah. But. Uh, so it could it could handle I think thirteen passengers. Okay. So Makes like sense. we're talking like a total of maybe twenty people, twenty five people and, on these and you, flights. You, you have to understand the sensibility of, uh, at the time. The sensibility at the time is that we can't fly just to where we want to go. People are even in nineteen forty seven thinking that uh, the upper class is thinking that. Right. You know, mm-hmm. you know oh we can oh we can fly to. Uh, New Zealand, South Africa, like, but right. regular everyday people aren't, aren't thinking. Not really. No. no. So the Stardust flew the last leg of BSAA flight CS-59. So this was a regular route. The flight originated in London, but not on the Stardust. It was an Avro York called Star Mist that left London on July 29th and eventually landed in Buenos Aires on August 1st. Stardust then took over the next leg, which was Buenos Aires to Santiago, Chile. So here is an ad of the route. Or the route. Uh, yeah, and it makes sense. It's like a big circle. Yeah. So you can see it goes from mm-hmm. London to Lisbon mm-hmm. to West Africa. I'm not well, sure there are, exactly there are, where. It looks like there are several different... Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. there are... Uh, several options because mm-hmm. you can go to the this is mm-hmm. definitely the uh, virgin islands here um, miami possibly or the the caribbean mm-hmm. um so yeah 
And at this time, it's like, holy shit. Like, like we can go from... You fly half the world yeah, on one flight. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's that... Yeah. For mm-hmm. civilians, it's... It's... The, yeah, this that's is big, cool. This is big shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I remember the TV was still new. Yeah. In yes, 1947. Uh-huh. The radio was still big. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So when Stardust took over flight CS-59, the crew was headed by 44-year-old... See if you can guess what country he is from. Captain Reginald J. Cook. Reginald J. Cook. Uh, he could be American. Um, I'm gonna go with. Um, I'm gonna go with he is from Florida. <laughs> this is British <laughs> South American Airlines. He's British. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's from. Um, he's from Chelsea. <laughs> Who knows? He could Chelsea. be from anywhere. Chelsea. He could be from Sheffield. He could be from York. He could be from London. Yeah. He could be from other he, places. He is from a he is from a small city that has a football team. What if? I wonder how far we could get in a a game if we if we like went back and forth and we each had to name a city in England or a town in England until we ran out of things. I could go. You would just name all the. Well, I could go pretty players. far. Yes, because I I played the the FIFA games, but that's that's the. That is... I think that was your phone. I didn't understand that. <laughs> Why does this thing do this? I don't it, know. it does this when I'm driving, too, and it drives me nuts. <laughs> you didn't call her. How do you summon it? It does it when I'm watching videos sometimes, and uh-huh. somebody will say, like, uh, the weather, and it'll pop up. Like, uh, oh. Were you asking about so the weather? So you don't have to say, hey, no. so-and-so, or whatever, no. or what, whatever. They're, they're listening. Hey, Google. They're listening. No, she, she didn't respond to that. We hear for you. We hear for you. <laughs> All right, Any, so, anyway, I know the names of England cities gotcha. specifically because of the FIFA game. Gotcha. <laughs> mm-hmm. so I only know it from, like, Downton Abbey and shit. So anyway. I, I really want to go to uh, Tottenham Hotspur's yeah. stadium because okay. it's brand fucking new and Except it looks... you're not willing to go it anywhere. Looks, uh, well, no, I'll go there. It looks <laughs> it looks pretty mint. Like, it's... <laughs> it's pretty mint. Yeah. Well, it's, it's pretty mint. I ain't it. I don't remember what city it's in, but, it, but it's in England. <laughs> so, original J. Cook, 44 years old. As this was a British airline, it makes sense that the crew was British. Um, and very few names are as British as Reginald J. Cook. But, uh, so Captain Cook, which sounds a lot like Captain Cook <laughs> <Hope> to me. <laughs> or Captain Kirk. Yes, that's true, too. <laughs> Uh, was an experienced pilot who had seen combat during the war when he served yeah. in the RAF, the Royal Air Force. All pilots at this time were well, military. Well, let's keep going. Yeah. So his first officer was 39-year-old Norman Hilton Cook. I'm assuming no relation, just mm-hmm. a common last name. And 27-year-old second officer Donald S. Checklin. They were also RAF veterans. So we had a whole bunch of... Uh, RAF meaning the... Royal Air Royal, Force. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, and Norman received both the Distinguished Service Order and the Distinguished Flying Cross Honors. Mm-hmm. So these guys had Which, all what, seen bombing and yes. stuff. Yes, and if you receive the uh, um, Flying Cross, that means you've been hit. Okay. And, and you and survived. Well, found uh, a way in this case, found survived. a fucking Damn. way to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's the uh, it's the same thing as a Purple Heart for a soldier. Oh, okay, I gotcha. Yeah. Um, so they were also joined by 27 year old radio operator Dennis B. Harmer. He was not, he did not serve in the service, but he had performed civilian service during the war. Sure. Like a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. The cabin crew consisted of one flight attendant, 26-year-old Iris Marine Evans. 
Now, this is 1940s, right? So we know she was not referred to as a flight attendant. No. She was called a stewardess. And BSAA also called their flight attendants star girls. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, now, what you gotta, I... You gotta sell it a little bit. The good thing yeah. is that what I did see in pictures of flight crews on BSAA during this, uh, the flying with the stars people put these up, um... Uh, of like crew including these the star girls with the crew because they were the only women right mm-hmm. in, in there um the, the the flight attendants were dressed in identical uniforms i'm sure so like yeah. they were full-blown mm-hmm. they weren't like the pan am girls and i'm you sure know, that and they made them wear i'm sure that shit. they were also military mm-hmm. i'm sure that they were nurses well, let's and keep going yeah. let's keep going with yeah. iris so um yeah, we were not yet in the the. I mean, I mean, women women have served in the military for yes forever. So he, here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. Iris had served in the war as a petty officer in the Rens, the Women's Royal Naval Service, mm-hmm. which is kind of like the waves or the mm-hmm. wax or something for uh, uh, statesiders. Russian women too. I mean, a lot of, oh. Rus- a lot of Russian women died like, in uh, World War One. And, and yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Now, it is very important to note that thousands and thousands of women served in World War II. Yes. Like you said, some in actual combat mm-hmm. in certain countries. In other countries, they weren't allowed into active. That. In yes. fact, not until, what, the 90s or the 2000s? I was going to say it's recent. Yeah. As far as our military Yeah, goes. the U.S. military. Yes, yes, yes. yes. That's, that's yeah. correct. I, I want to say that uh, actual combat for female soldiers, yeah, happened in the 90s, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, under, something under Clinton. like that. Like the courage under fire sort of It was something like, right? it, was, it was, Bill Clinton was, and I agree, mm-hmm. was <laughs> one of the few things I agree with him on. It was like, Jesus. if they want to fight, they want to fight. Yes, of course. Why, kind of, why discriminate? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not conscription. So, no. Yeah. Um, so, but it is important to acknowledge that women played a very important part in Of course. The, in the absolutely. War. Okay. Yeah. So, the passengers on the Stardust outnumbered the crew by just one. There was only six passengers and five crew. So, there was almost a one-to-one ratio. Um, so one of the passengers, Marta Limpert, was known to have started with the flight back in London. Four passengers were known to be flying just from Buenos Aires to, to Santiago, those four were Cassis Said Atala, John Salt Gooderham, Harold Pa, and Peter Young. The sixth passenger, Paul Simpson, may or may not have boarded in London. I saw ambiguity there in mm-hmm. different sources. It was really hard to just find the names of these people. It was weird. I could find the names of the flight crew, no problem, but it was hard to find information about the passengers. And then... I found a site, the BBC, I think, just showed their names. Sure. And then yeah. other sites talked about them as people. Okay. But didn't identify them by name. Yeah. So I had to piece them together, like, using stereotypes, which I don't like. Now, Marta was the easiest one. She's the only woman, right? Mm. So she was um, uh, in her 70s. She was an older lady. Wow. And yeah. she was a widow. Yeah. Now... I think she was either from... I think she was likely an immigrant from Germany. Like, okay. she had years before, before the war, had gone to Germany. I mean, it makes I'm sense. I'm sorry, gone I mean, to Argentina. Uh, or 
Santiago, Chile. In Europe at this time and still today, mm-hmm. people mingle in and out. Oh, yes. I mean, they, but what I'm know. saying is there's just ambiguity. I'm not sure. entirely sure. So what it seems this like... This post-war ambiguity, which is what a different thing. What it seems like is that prior to the war, she had at some point immigrated from Germany mm-hmm. to Santiago. Sure. Or to Chile, anyway. Um but then at some point, either before the war or during the war, ended up back in Europe. I'm going to guess during. And then yeah. wasn't able to and, get back. Right. She had to. Mm-hmm. It, she had an extended stay in Europe. So she was coming back home. Yeah, and that's... I have seen documentaries on that, too. The whole process of, well, who can stay and who can mm-hmm. go. And, mm-hmm. like, that was a whole, like... That's true. I mean, you had to figure out refugees. You had yeah. to figure out a lot of fucking shit. Mm-hmm. Like, it was... Yeah. Mm-hmm. World so War Two was not fun. At all. No, of course not. <laughs> so she was coming back. She had boarded in London to get back to, to Chile. Mm-hmm. That was her. That That's the person we know it's, the most it, about. It seems like her name just might have gotten mixed up and whatever. Well, know. I mean, this is just ages and ages ago. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Um. So from what I can tell, the Paul Simpson, the one who we're not sure if he boarded in London, and he may have boarded in London or he may have boarded in Buenos Aires, it's possible, and I say possible because all of this sounds like a little bit of speculation, but he was possibly a diplomatic courier, so a king's messenger or a queen's messenger. Um, the formal name is the Corps of Queen's Messengers. It's technically still in existence, um, but was more active back in the day, like during the war and the post-war. Basically, this is a group of couriers hired by the British government, typically um, former military, to hand deliver secret and or important documents to other British Mm -hmm. interests around the world, like consulates or embassies. And uh, they flew, they dressed like regular businessmen Mm -hmm. and flew on civilian uh, passenger flights. So very like post-war espionage type It's also like one of the sources of uh, the whole James Bond Mm -hmm. thing. Very similar. Yes. So allegedly, one of these passengers was a, a king's messenger. I think it was king at the time. Yeah, because she, Elizabeth wasn't queen yet, I don't think, in 40. No, not that early. Anyway, um, from what I, allegedly, a king's messenger was on board the Stardust, delivering a bag to the British Embassy in Chile. From what I can tell, it was probably Paul Simpson. Then going off stereotypes, which I don't like, there was a Palestinian on board and... I would guess Cassis Saeed Atala is the most likely name to match that profile, you know, versus um, uh, John Salt Gooderham, Harold Pa, and Peter Young. I mean, this is like, you know. The, <laughs> He's from somewhere else. <laughs> so <laughs> Not from the same place these guys. There are references to Atala allegedly having a diamond sewn into his jacket. So like being some sort of diamond smuggler or something. But I could not find any more details than that. I mean, it sounds like a good story. These sound like some of the things that get embellished over time. So I'm sure. not sure if this was accurate or not. We are talking, um, we are also talking post-World War II. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of fucking nefarious shit going it's on. It's entirely because, possible this was actually yes, happening. Yes, because, because people needed food, yeah. housing, and money. Mm-hmm. So whatever would provide them with that, yeah. you know, if mm-hmm. they have to smuggle diamonds, they have to smuggle diamonds. Right. Like, what, yep. mm-hmm. Whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of intrigue stuff going yeah. on with this. This is the Cold War and pl- era, too. And, so. and plus, uh, if anybody's seen, uh, what was the DiCaprio movie? Um, Blood Diamond. Oh, I um, saw that. A great movie. It really is. Like, probably his best movie. Um, 
But the whole point of it is, like, diamonds are so easy to smuggle. Because they're small. They're small and, and they don't have a scent. Yeah. That is the biggest thing. Can't be thing. sniffed out. And you can, like, he hit them in his teeth. His mouth, yeah. And, mm-hmm. yeah. They're easy to smuggle. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, Demetrius understands, yes, too. Yes, he does. <laughs> He's like, yes. He's like, where's my diamond? So there, the other three, I'm not sure who was who, but apparently there was a British businessman, businessman and a Swiss businessman who were friends who were scouting out South America for trade opportunities, mm-hmm. whatever that means. Yeah, well, um, it means exactly that. It could be legit <laughs> really, business. It could not like, be legit business. Where can we exploit? Yeah, basically. Probably, here. Yeah. This place. Right here. <laughs> And then the last passenger, whoever he was, was apparently a South American agent of Dunlop Tire Company. He was also... Still in business today. Yep. Dunlop Tire. Also rumored to have been a tutor of Michael I of Romania, the last prince of Romania before the monarchy was abolished at the end of 1947. Oh, yeah. Wow, yeah. So it's pretty interesting. Um, Interestingly, total aside, Michael I lived until December 2017. No shit. Yeah, he died at age ninety six. Like, just yeah. still hanging around. Not like, wild. Like man, is he, uh-huh. he's like, isn't this world crazy? <laughs> <laughs> at any rate, what is definitely agreed upon is that a total of five crew and six passengers were on board the Stardust when it took off from Buenos Aires at one forty six p.m. local time on Saturday, August second, nineteen forty seven. Correct me if I'm wrong, but two years to the day when one of the bombs was dropped. The uh, first one, right? What, what what date was it? August second. Yeah. No, was that? Um, that was one of them. I don't know if it was. The atomic that bombs were dropped in 1945 mm-hmm. for sure. I think it was August. It was August. I think you're right. Yeah. One was the second. One was a few days and after. I think. I think. Uh, the Fat Man and Little Boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fat Man was the first bomb. Mm-hmm. Little Boy, I believe, was three or four days later. Okay. And it hit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Hiroshima was the first? Mm-hmm. Okay, so then I think this is two years to the day of That's Hiroshima. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay, so as you mentioned before, this is all sounding a little familiar, right? It, Buenos Aires to, to Santiago, almost a direct east-to-west flight across mm-hmm. South America, right? Very similar to Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571, but that was out of Montevideo, but again, Montevideo is just like almost directly due east. It's, so it's, it's essentially the same pattern. It's very close. And yeah. in both cases, they must cross the Andes. Mountains. Yes. Yep. That's, right. So that's ha- just... Have fun with that in <laughs> fucking 1947. Right? So, plane took off and was fine. Several hours pass. They are nearing Santiago. So by 5.41 p.m. local time, that's when the Stardust was nearing in on Santiago. So radio operator Dennis Harmer communicated with Los Cerrillos ground control. So that is the airport. And and again, we're talking 1947. Radar is... Well, do you know how they're communicating? You know what? I don't. How are they communicating? Sure. Morse code. Morse code. That makes sense. So let's talk here, shall we? So by this point in history, radio communication by voice was certainly possible, right? Us modern day humans Mm -hmm. want nothing to do with Morse code. (laughs) (laughs) We we live in text messages. What I think of with Morse code (laughs) is when um, in the office, uh, Pam and 
uh, and Jim both learned Morse code. They so did. Blake yes. and tap yep. Morse code to each other so that um, yep. <laughs> uh, to, to piss Dwight off. Didn't know. Yes, to piss off Dwight. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. So so you could communicate by voice over radio. Um, but especially during World War II and the immediate aftermath, Morse code was the main way to communicate because yeah, either a lack of infrastructure or of the of telegraph lines or destruction of telegraph lines, right? Like during the bombing. And I think also just being secret. Like we, we in 1947, we still don't know how the world is going to shake out or who's listening. Yeah. Well, and we are in the Cold War. It, the Cold War point, is about to start. Well, yeah. no, at this point, everyone. There's everyone knows nukes are a thing. Yes, that's true. <laughs> so it is a very tense time the world over, right? Yeah. So, um, so even in peacetime at this point, I guess, and it was a little hard to tell, but it seems like the protocol was to have a radio operator on your flight crew who would operate the telegraph to Makes communicate sense. with air traffic yeah, control. Yeah, absolutely. Like a, essentially, like an engineer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure everyone is probably familiar with the concept of Morse code. We'll do just a little mini dive into Morse code. So in 1830, an artist named Samuel Morse, uh, who, along with Joseph Henry and Alfred Vail, invented the electrical telegraph, invented a code used for telegraphing. So the way a telegraph worked, and like a telegram, right? Mm -hmm. Do you know how it works? It's Uh, really pretty wild. To a degree. It was um, essentially modern day ones and zeros. That's like binary, kind yes. of, yeah. So yep. the idea is that electrical impulses were sent on mm-hmm. one end, traveled through the wire, and then came to a little receiver on the other mm-hmm. end, right? But the way the telegraphed worked, what, like in receiving that message, was that there was a little mechanism, the receiver, that initially, like the first one that uh, Morse invented worked on like a clock watch. Like sure. a clock. Makes sense. Yeah. Or a watch, not clock watch. I, I know what you a, mean. A watch working, yes. right? Like a mechanism. Yeah. That it, it, ran, it, worked, it worked on a time. Well, it, yes. it moved that yes. way. Cogs and that mm-hmm. sort of shit. Um, it, it, was, it, it's, it's also, I mean, really, I'm not even bullshitting. Mm-hmm. It's also like the earliest version of the internet. Yeah, kind it, of, because it, it really it's connecting is. people yes. across, yeah, across ele- mm-hmm. with using electricity, right? So there was a paper tape that was spooled and ran through this mechanism and a little stylus that hit Mm -hmm. the tape and left a little imprint. On timings. Yes. Yes. So the dots and dashes, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it was a bup or bop, you know, was uh, was imprinted on the tape. The telegraph became huge in two different wars. Uh, The Civil War, for one, uh, because you could patch in, Mm. you could patch in to telegraph lines, Mm -hmm. which is why the Union and Confederate soldiers Whenever they came across the telegraph line, cut it. Cut it, yeah, because it, it reduced communication. Yeah. Yes, and in World War One, it was highly useful because the trenches that they made in World mm-hmm. War One were—you can't even describe that they were miles of trenches, mm-hmm. and that's how they communicated with each other. It was telegraph. was through a telegraph, but the enemy could patch in, so they had to hack in. It's hacking, early hacking. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's... That's uh, pretty wild. This technology is huge and and reverberates to to this day. Right. Although now nobody uses telegrams no. and nobody knows Morse code. <laughs> One of the biggest corporations in the world uh-huh. is Western. American Telegraph oh, and oh, Telephone. Oh, AT&T? Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. it's... Yeah. 
Yep. So this is before all that. Yeah. <laughs> so if this if this little stylus is indenting the tape, those little indentations need to mean something. Mm-hmm. So Morse's first idea was numbers. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have a little code book to like to, to decode right. the yeah. the message. Well, so that was the early, he's the one who basically invented the idea of Morse code, but his inventing pal, Alfred Vail, was like, well, why don't we just make dots and dashes for, like, Everything. letters? Yes. <laughs> yes, and numbers. Yeah. And so that thus was Morse code, the highly yeah. abridged version. So No, it, th- this is highly, mm-hmm. highly sophisticated for the time. For the time, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're talking, yeah, we're talking 18 fucking hundreds. Yeah. Imagine <laughs> so, being able, in the 1800s, imagine being mm-hmm. able to communicate across. Miles and miles. Mm-hmm. With a simple. Little device. Yeah. Yes. But you needed the wire. Yep. And that's why everybody in the old time. You, you needed the infrastructure. Right. But still. And that's why everybody in the old timey movies and shows go to the telegraph office. Yes. Because yeah. they're the ones with Absolutely. the, the yes. lines right. running to them. Yep. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, so, and and every town at this time had like its own telegraph right. office. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you get a telegraph from Right. Oh, from there's Rose. a telegram when you go to pick up your mail. Yeah. You also have a telegram. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. At, at this time it's, it's highly, it's mm-hmm. just like, holy, it's mind blowing. Now in the forties, a little less so, but it was mm-hmm. still used. So, um, so, so Stardust was communicating with air traffic control on the ground in Los Rios in Santiago using Morse code. Sure. Harmer was using Morse code. So at 5.41 p.m. local time, Dennis Harmer sent a message, which they read, that said, quote, ETA Santiago, 1745 hours, Stendek, end quote, okay. S-T-N-D-E-C. S-T-E-N-D-E-C. I was making sure I say that right. Now, so this meant that Stardust was giving an estimated time of arrival, ETA, 5.45 p.m. local time. What does Stendek mean? The problem is nobody knows what the fuck Stendek meant. They didn't know then. Air traffic control was like, I'm sorry, Stendek? What? He's reading like the, he's like, Like, Stendek. What does this mean? What is a Stendek? So... (laughs) They're like, okay, it's not a word. It's not an acronym. You know, there's plenty of ETA and all that stuff. It was the 1947 version of uh, Kofefi. Kofefi, yes. Everybody's looking at it like, what the fuck does this mean? (laughs) So so they were like, okay, we get that you're saying you're going to land in like four minutes, but Stendak? So they were like, basically, can you repeat that? Dennis Harmer wrote back, Two times in a row, Stendek, Stendek. Two times in a row, clear as day. And they're like, okay, we still don't know what that means, but they said they're landing in a few minutes, so, you know, 545, I guess we can ask him. The problem is 545 came and went and went and went mm-hmm. and went, and that is the last anybody ever heard Jesus of Christ. from so the that Stardust. was the last uh, communication from that point. The last communication was a word nobody understood. Stendek. Are we going to understand it? Or not really? Well, let's keep going. Yeah. So, it's obviously very concerning when an airplane goes missing. Uh, yes. So, there was plenty of searching done by Chilean and Argentinian authorities, by air, by land, the military, the whole bit. 
Uh, BSAA also ran their own search. I mean, this is one of their planes. Mm -hmm. Not only is it like this is their people, their asset. They have a monetary investment. And they do have a monetary investment. Absolutely. Um, Not to mention just like advertising. Planes at this time were not fucking cheap to build. Mm -mm. They're expensive as fuck to build. And this is a manufactured plane. It wasn't even one of their upcycled bombers, you know. I'm going to guess that this plane in the day costs... Mm -hmm. Uh, oh, who knows? I, I five million dollars, whatever. No so everyone came up empty. They're like, we've seen nothing. So the other thing that like instantly made this a thing and rife for conspiracy is Stendek. Sure. Yes. What did that mean? What the fuck? And and just the, the the territory they're going through. Well, sure. The Andes are very, you know, mysterious and exotic yeah. to a lot of people, right? Yeah. So he, here's the thing too. This is the summer, well, the summer in the Northern Hemisphere, the winter in the Southern, um, of 1947. July 8th, 1947. Do you know the significance of that date? July 8th, 1947. No. The last podcast on Love Guys absolutely would. So on July 8th, 1947, a few weeks before this happened, an American, a U.S., Army Public Information Officer at the Roswell Army Airfield oh in New Mexico yes. issued a press release yeah. confirming the Air Army was now in possession of a, quote, flying disc, end quote, which was quickly revised to be called weather a balloon debris. Or a UFO. <laughs> well, no. They said... That's fucking crazy. It might be this, and then they immediately said, no, no, like, no, no. It's an, it's no. an air balloon. And, and the, balloon. the funny thing is, like, I think... I, I honestly think about this time two years ago. Mm-hmm. The Pentagon oh, I know. came out and was like, yeah, UFOs are real, mm-hmm. but nobody noticed because, I know, because of the pandemic. other shit was going on. <laughs> well, like, honestly, aliens are the least of our concern right now. People were like, okay, fine. Okay, fine. Yeah. What can we do about it? Whatever. <laughs> Let's just hope the aliens come like, and kill us we all. We fucking knew it anyway. Now it's confirmed. Right. Uh, but we still don't have a fucking, you know. So this was basically like... Apparently, the this time in 1947 was known as like a nice. UFO panic sort of a era well, because, because of this yes. shit. And and I've listened to a lot of uh, YouTube videos and podcasts mm-hmm. on this time period. Mm-hmm. Mostly, it's because people didn't fathom flying objects. Objects, right? Mm-hmm. They they just didn't. Well, or if they did fathom them. Mm-hmm. It was different in their mind from what they saw. Like, right. so it was... Well, and the other thing is, like, it, it must have been very jarring for people just to go along living their lives even in wartime, and then all of a sudden, they learn that an atomic bomb is a thing. Yes, and... Uh, and uh, was deployed. And to bring it back to World War One, mm-hmm. like, they figured out that they first used planes for surveillance. Mm-hmm. That's what they were using them for. Mm-hmm. Again, planes at this point, propeller planes right. were... Mm-hmm. Brand new. 15 years old, right. maybe. Um, and then they're like, if we put a gun on one of these, we can shoot down mm-hmm. other planes. And then they were like, if we, if we put a bomb. bomb on one of these. And they're like, if we, we invent an atomic bomb. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. I mean, that's. Never underestimate humankind's ability to one-up destruction. Well, to turn anything into a war weapon. I mean, yeah. really. Yep. Uh, the fucking, uh, the automatic cat. Toilet the that we cat have. robot, little robot. The military would find a use for that. Right. That would be completely like we wouldn't even. Right. They'd be like, no, we can stick a guy's head in there. Right. 
<laughs> so, like, this is like a, a time of UFO fever, and now this plane goes missing. People are like, did the aliens abduct them? What happened? Plus... And, and that 13 missing people. Yeah. Like, the plane was missing, but so were these civilians. people. Civilians. Yeah, well, yeah. yes, yeah. they were civilians yeah. technically at that time, yeah. yeah. So, speaking of those people, remember that whole little, like, characterization of everyone who was on board? That led to a lot of speculation, like, um, hey, there was a German lady. Was she a Nazi and somebody didn't like them and, sure. like, shot them out of the air or something? W- or was, was, it, was this planned ahead of time? The diplomatic like... career? Yeah. Spy it's, shit? It's fucking ripe for controversy. The Palestinian with the diamonds? Yeah. Or the person who worked for Romanian what royalty? Was, what was that movie that or came the out, businessman? Like, what was that movie that came out, like, last year about a train? Like, all these people were on a train. Oh. <laughs> You're thinking about the Agatha Christie adaptation that was several years ago. Um, oh, my God. It's not Death <laughs> on the Nile. It's... The other one. I know Holy it had. Shit. I know it had the uh, the one Branagh. from uh, Star Wars in it. So. Yes, I saw it in the fucking theater. And, uh, I love Captain, Agatha and Christie. Captain America was in it too. Chris the, Pine. No, not Chris Pine. Uh, Chris uh, Evans. Yes, another Chris. <laughs> There's many Chris's. Oh my god, this is gonna drive me. It's not Strangers on a Knives Train. Out? Jesus Christ! No, Knives no. Out had Chris Evans, but no, that was not the no the train one. Oh my god, I love Agatha Christie. Why can't I think of this? Agatha Christie train. Oh, murder on the Orient Express. Yes, I yeah. should have known that. So I am kind of interested in seeing that movie now. Really? A couple years later. Yeah. yeah? Okay. Yeah. We can. I mean, I love the novel. I love yeah. Agatha Christie. It seems books. like a fun mystery. It is. And it's it's a good one too. Yeah. It's a good mystery. Anyway. Lots of intrigue, right? <laughs> and then things got really weird. Jesus Christ. You ready man. for this? No, I'm so, not. No, I'm not. So that all happened August 47, right? On January 30th, 1948, six flight crew members and 25 passengers were on the way, their way from the Azores Islands, west of Portugal, to Bermuda. They were aboard the BSAA's Star Tiger. They went missing. Over the Atlantic Ocean, after losing their navigational bearings in a storm never found. Mm. Less than a year later, just shy of a year later, January 17th, 1949, the BSAA Star Ariel headed from Bermuda to Kingston, Jamaica. Seven crew members, 13 passengers, missing. Perfectly fine weather. Never heard from again. These two flights helped, by the way, side note, helped solidify the legend of the Bermuda Triangle. (laughs) Yes. So, three missing flights in three years is no good for an airline. No. Especially in in the same area. Well, no, the one was in South Uh, America. uh, That's true. Yeah. But the other two were very... Yes, they were very close. Yeah. In March 1949, the British government was like, we're going to pull the plug on this BSAA thing. We're going to have BOAC absorb you. We want to have our Nazis inside of England. (laughs) And so BSAA was no more as of January 1st, 1950. And so, it would seem, our story has come to an end. Except it seems that way. Except mm. oh, I forgot to show you. That was picture. very dramatic. I know. And then after that, I forgot to show you something. This is really fun. This was um put in. This is like your little in-flight card for BSA. Oh, I see. Can you yeah. read it? Oh yeah. Um, 
for your comfort and entertainment. Your stewardess has all of the following for passengers' use. Please do not hesitate to ask for any of them. Games. <laughs> Chess. Uh, I don't know. Is what it draughts? Yeah, actually, yeah, draughts. What the fuck is that? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's like snooker. I still don't know what that I, is. I don't know what that is. Yeah, jigsaw puzzles. I know what those uh-huh. are. Uh, playing cards. Uh, poker. I know what all those... Uh, mm-hmm. Draughts. I, Drafts, I think, maybe? Whatever the fuck. I don't know what that is. Light reading. <laughs> you have uh, magazines, newspapers, and penguin books. Oh, penguin books. Yeah, the, like the, the publisher. publisher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> medicines. So here we go. Uh-huh. Air sickness bags. That's not a medicine. Aspirin. Well, it's, yeah. It's medical. Aspirin. Aspirin, okay. Uh, Berkey sugar? What? (laughs) Chewing gum. Oh, for your ears. Yeah. Cotton, cotton wool. (laughs) Medical kit. I don't know what these last two things say. Sorry, that's not great. Yeah, I was wondering if you... Aspirin, barley sugar, chewing gum, (laughs) cotton wool, medical kit... Sol volatile and smelling salts. And then they also so offer like, the air so, ABC so like, guide and the relay so, ABC so like, guide. So like, so like the shit I make at work. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I know. <laughs> pretty, much, pretty close. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was entertaining. Before we get into this next part. So August 2nd, 1947. It's hilarious that there's a pamphlet. That, I know. <laughs> but, it make, but it also makes sense. People are not used to mm-hmm. air travel. They're not. Yeah, they need to understand what the culture yeah. of air travel yeah. is. Like your ears might like clog up chewing gum can help yeah mm-hmm. you're going at a speed you've never gone at before mm-hmm. you're going at altitude. an altitude that you've never gone on before pretty quickly and, pretty yeah. quickly yeah so mm-hmm. yeah for for military that this is oh, like the crew knows this exactly is like whatever that's what, yeah but mm-hmm. for civilians it's like what the fuck am i getting yep. involved in mm-hmm. here <laughs> so august 2nd 1947 stardust disappears in 1998, no, what the fuck? Several Argentinian no. climbers were making a trek no. through the Andes Mountains. You're they were climbing Tupungato, a mountain with an elevation of 6,570 meters or 21,560 feet. That's dangerous in itself. Well, they're mountain climbers, but still. I well, yes, I agree, but still. Yeah. Along the border of Chile and Argentina, directly due east of Santiago. They so found, here is Tupungato. The they found the fucking plane, didn't they? Well, let's find out. Yeah. Here's Tupungato. That is it. Yeah, I'm not. Do- yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> no, of course. I'm not a mountain climber. Fucking mountain no, climber. Fuck that. I like the clothes of a mountain climber. <laughs> just, like I just, like camping just, clothes. Just like, yes. just like you like to dress like you're camping. Yes. But you'll never go camping. I love Eddie Bauer in Columbia. I but love I... to dress like I'm mountain climbing, but I'm never going to do it. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll do a mountain, not this fucking one. No, <laughs> fuck that. Like, right? If, if it's if it. We've done hanging rock. If it's a, nice. Yeah, exactly. If it's a thousand feet high, whatever. No big deal. Like, I, I can handle 21, that. 21,000 feet. Yeah. Well, whatever. That's bizarre. So, when they were about 4,600 meters or 15,000 feet up the mountain, they spotted this. Are you ready? This is what they saw. Can I, can I guess on yeah. what they saw? Sure. Did they see the tail of the plane? No. Okay. All right. They saw the fucking... No! Do you want to tell everybody what they saw? 
are they seeing the fucking engine yes that says rolls royce yes the r is cut off so it says olds royce but yes they found the fucking engine or you one of them, because there were four. You're kidding me. Mm-hmm. And it's got the goddamn... Look. I know I saw it on here. I thought I saw a serial number on here, but oh. I don't. But I thought it was right here. There there probably yeah. was somewhere else. Yes. Yeah. You've got to be yeah. fucking kidding me. Yeah. They also spotted nearby shards of metal yeah. and shreds of clothing. Jesus when they got back to Santiago, they're like, hey, so we found some weird shit. So. <laughs> Here's the thing. Little thing happened on our little climb tonight. Uh-huh. We found a plane. So I Or could, what used to be a plane. I couldn't find out why it took this long, but they waited another year to actually go out. I don't know if it was because of timing. Like, maybe they were coming up on winter or I'm gonna it guess, took a while for word to get out or I'm whatever. I'm going to guess it was several things. They didn't mm-hmm. have the finances to do it. They didn't have, you know. No, they had the, this is this is the Chilean and Argentinian government. They, yeah. that, that's it's not funding. I think it was either it took them a while to kind of piece it together Come and around like, to, like if if a few mountain climbers in a pub are telling you, "Hey, we saw some or, crazy shit." Or it just might be like at this time like planes disappear all the time. In like, the 90s? Well, no, 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 from the time. Oh, the, that it wasn't the as late pres- 40s. This is 51 years later. Yeah, it, yeah I get it. It could have taken people a while to put it together. It's just like, uh, well, it's... Duh, duh, duh. <laughs> or and that by the time... We'll get, we'll get to it. By the time they got back and told people maybe it was back in the winter and they couldn't... That is they couldn't fucking oh. crazy. At any rate... They find this plane crash 50 years later. 51 years later, exactly. In 1999, a joint civilian and military operation tried to get back to the site because the the climbers were able to tell them where they were, but a bad ice storm rolled in, prevented it. Uh, That's the other thing, too. Like, this part of the Earth is not an easy part of the Earth to... It's an extreme altitude. Yes. Planes fly at 20,000 feet. Yes, exactly. That's why they can't even crash into these mountains because they're so fucking high. Yeah. Yes. Um, And, And all sorts of other shit. Like, just the mm-hmm. weather alone yeah. is, is... So, so they yeah. couldn't go in 99. It took until January 2000, which You're would have been the summer you at that point. You are fucking kidding me. And they found the site. They spotted the engine, but they found other stuff, too, including an Avro propeller and this, a fully intact and inflated wheel. tire. Yes. Yep, the wheel and inflated tire. You are fucking kidding yep. me. Yep. It's been sitting up there for 50 fucking years. 52 at this point, almost 52 years. You are fucking kidding me. Unfortunately, they also found three human torsos, a foot wearing a boot, and a Mm -hmm. manicured hand. Mm -hmm. Um, The body parts had been well-preserved. Sure, because they were were frozen. Yes, Yes. because of the cold wind and just everything present at 15,000 feet. that's, That's like... How do we make people live longer? Mm. That technology is all all based around... Mm -hmm. Cryogenics. Yes. I mean... I know. Yeah. Because it slows the whole biological process. You don't decompose. Yeah. So... They fucking found this shit. At the time of the accident, there was heavy snow in the area. And it's thought that an avalanche buried... The site buried the plane and the wreckage under tons and tons of snow. That's why they couldn't find the stardust um, searching right after its disappearance. 
And it took this many decades to find it because climate change oh and global God, warming you're right. melted this glacier. You're fucking right. No shit. Yeah. Like now they're finding in Lake Mead, which is right outside yes. of which uh-huh. is right outside of Las Vegas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They are finding bodies, dead bodies, <laughs> like in in oil. Yes, slicks and stuff. Yeah. That were when they mm-hmm. threw them in there it was like fifty feet uh, of under, water, under yeah. the surface. Mm-hmm. Now it's like on the surface. Yeah. It's Jesus Christ. Yep. The time that was actually why. a really important sure. element to this. Yeah. Jesus. So, of course, for most of the people who died in that flight, many of their peers and their close loved ones, this had is 52 no years. had no fucking idea. Well, and also, they had died over these decades. Yeah. These people were middle-aged, yeah. you know, like in their thir- 30s and 40s. And, and all these, all, all their family members have to do is just wonder how. Yeah, the, for, well, for they're like, our loved time. ones went missing. We are not entirely sure what happened. They couldn't find anything, you know. Did they get abducted by aliens? Who knows? Like, in, in their minds, you know. Did they run into a, a mountain face? Right, possibly. They just didn't know, and they were never told. But, again, the time that elapsed actually helped in this sure. case. Because DNA was a thing by this time. That's right. No and shit. using the remains that they found, it wow. took a couple of years, but they were able to find close family DNA matches for five people aboard the Stardust. No shit. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's pretty fucking good. It out is. Of, it is. Of, especially 13. in 2000, yeah. 2002. Yeah. So this included Iris Evans. Her wow. sister was matched to her. Her surviving sister. And Donald Checklin, who was matched with his younger cousin, Margaret Colwood. So Margaret said, quote, He was my older cousin who I idolized hopelessly. I remember him in his RAF uniform during the war. He flew Lancaster bombers and got medals for bringing back his aircraft mm. one time on a wing and a prayer. End quote. Yeah, no yep. shit. She was yeah. 70 and learning wow. about the kid when she was a kid, her older cousin that she idolized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and I'm sure that happened. I, I, I don't doubt her. Oh, oh, her about her cousin? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. That, <clears throat> I mean, mm-hmm. fucking imagine that. I and... know. So now with wreckage found, it was finally possible to conduct an actual investigation. Like, what the fuck happened and what is Stendek? Now we have it. Yes, we like, have it. Now we have the, the, the physical <clears throat> evidence. Yes. And... So first off, the pattern of the wreckage indicated the plane didn't, like, explode midair or something it impacted that was the cause of the crash that's even fucking worse its propeller was also bent excuse me in such a way that it suggested stardust was running when it crashed so it didn't stall the engines were going it went right into the it went right into the mountain and it also hadn't deployed its landing gear so like i said it it sounds like here's here's what i'm thinking okay knowing this Mm -hmm. Sounds like it was probably cloudy. Andy's mountains are really fucking high. And it was snowy. Remember I told you there too. was heavy snowfall? And they, they couldn't see. And so, you're, you're very close. So basically, they put all these pieces of information together, and it helped <clears throat> the investigation board of Argentina to come to their conclusions about what likely happened. And again, the time elapsed helped with this. So... Back in 1947, not a lot, a whole lot was known about a particular weather phenomenon called jet streams. Of course not. Do you know what jet streams are? Uh, well, I, here's what I do know. Mm -hmm. If you get caught in the jet wash, 
it's it's not jet good. Wash? What's the jet wash? It's it's the energy that it's it's basically leaving. What a, is a it? Um, it's it's basically it's I, I can't describe <laughs> okay. it. it. It's kind of it's, it's almost the same thing as like when you're in NASCAR, mm-hmm. um, like a draft. Yes. Yeah. It's this energy <clears throat> that's there. But you can think, you can only experience it in that time. I think maybe the word that you're looking for is current. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> a current. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I'm just jet like, streams. I, I, I just, I'm just looking for the force. <laughs> <laughs> jet streams have an interesting tie to one of our other disasters, Krakatoa. When Krakatoa That's erupted in 1883, right. the ash from the volcano That's was right. observed in the str- in the atmosphere for several years. Revealing some interesting patterns. Yes. Hi, and we're talking thousands of feet above Earth. We're talking tens of thousands yes, of feet. Yes. Uh huh. We're, we're talking. We're talking <clears throat> basically into the stratosphere. No, much. no, no, no. This is no? not in the stratosphere. Okay. This All is right. where planes fly. We know them today as tailwinds. These are mm. air currents. They are thousands of feet in the air, and they're extremely high winds. Yeah. They are. Yes. They. They can easily top or exceed 100 miles per hour or 160 kilometers per hour and so you know how like sometimes you fly one direction say across the mm-hmm. united states and it's faster than the other direction yes, it's because, it's of, because the tail of the tailwinds wind. yep. which are these jet stream currents flying south is always quicker than flying flying well north. they're typically they move yes. west to east mm-hmm. so it's a little longer going westward than it is going eastward mm-hmm. but anyway um, back in 1947, oh they didn't they know, didn't know. Or understand yeah. it the same way that they that we do today, or even at the time that this of course was found. Not. I mean, of course not. Flying is still new. So what is posited is that the best guess what happened to the stardust that the aircraft was in a snowstorm. the The pilot Couldn't Captain see a fucking Cook thing. was flying blind yeah. with. Old technology on this, like, bomber type. But at, but at, but at the time, modern technology. It like, was modern like, at the time. Like, I've got my instruments. Like, we'll but be okay. But this modern tech did not take into no. account jet streams. Fuck no. So he Didn't was... Didn't take into account a lot of things. He thought he had been much further along. Yeah. When the tailwinds were pushing against him, the jet stream was pushing against him, making him not as far along as he thought. Yeah. He thought he was a lot closer to Santiago I mean, than he really was. the, uh... The Alive movie. I can't remember the name of the actual plane. Uh, Uruguayan Air Force 571. There you go. Um, the passengers started to notice, like, should we be flying this yeah, close, that close to the, to the mountains? Mountain. Mm-hmm. Like, so, like, just this area just kind of throws everything off. Sure. Well, and you then know? imagine you can't see anything. Yeah. And you're working on, like, fucking old-fashioned controls. I would be like, the Indians Mountains are how high? I'm going right. to go 10,000 feet <laughs> right. above that. But maybe it wasn't capable of doing that. At the well, same, and you I mean, have to you descend know. at some point. Yes. And he and, thought he was on the other fucking side. And it's literally almost like a dividing line between like east and west between, South America. No, between um, Argenti- or Argentina and Chile. Yeah. That is the actual border. It's the yeah. Andes. So the, it is thought that that's exactly what happened. He was descending because he thought he was on the other side. And he thought came he was fine. face to face. With oh Tupangato, what oh is known as a controlled descent into terrain. Oh my god. I, I, I mean... It's just the... It's, it's fucking Erebus. It's all those just, just direct collisions. I just fucking hope it... It was not instant for the pilot. He saw it coming. Well, no. Obviously. He may not or have. May not, it was right, right out. Might, he might not he have. He was descending because he thought it was on the other side. It could Sounds, have been more of an Erebus situation. Sounds like it was instant for... 
And basically, I hope, the, it's, I hope yes, it likewise, and it kind of sounds like it. So the difference between like the Uruguayan flight and this flight is that in Uruguayan flight they clip the wing. That, That's right. This is just yeah. bam, what, you know, balls to the wall. It's the uh, and I think you brought it up just a minute or two ago the the flight into Antarctica, the Australian flight. Erebus. Yes. Uh-huh. Yep. They mm-hmm. just all of a sudden They just weren't boom. there. One minute you're there, one minute you're not. And the 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 fucking wreckage of that plane is still there. Mhm. It's in Antarctica. Yeah. yeah. So the only question left was Stendek. The fuck yeah, is Stendek? The... So there are several theories. Yeah. None of them completely explain it. Um and he he stated it in Morse code 3 times. Right? Like, very specifically. So, one thought is that he was actually trying to say descent, which has the same letters. It's an anagram. But that That's he true. didn't... He, he could have been interpreting it wrong, and then well, they were... Or that he had altitude yeah, sickness or yeah. something. They're gonna know we cut. Because <laughs> of purring me... Tr- mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure his purr is getting caught. It probably is. Anyway. So, the idea that if... Harmer was hypoxic, you know, losing oxygen and disoriented, or altitude sickness. Yeah. But if he was disoriented, would he misspell the same word the exact same way three times? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I mean it's yeah. possible, but it's still, oh, he's being so cute after he was being such a shit. That's why we still love him. It's okay, go on. Did we... We didn't tell everybody that we almost got a third cat last weekend. We did not. Cute little black kitty named Tito. I did want him. I know he was adopting you. I'm glad that he was already adopted. adopted. Yeah, that was good. (laughs) Because I would have taken him. (laughs) Yes. We were at the Cat Cafe in Winston-Salem. It was very fun. All right. So, so, anyway, that, that doesn't seem super satisfactory. Um... Another theory is that in Morse code, stardust is similar to Stendek, you know, like dots and dashes. Yeah. But planes don't re- don't identify themselves by their colloquial name, like by their name. They identify themselves by their flight, or um, not their flight number, their uh, registration number. So that's G-A-G-W-H, which is nothing like stardust or Stendek. So other people thought, like, maybe Stendek is some, like, old, R- obscure RAF acronym like some people have claimed it was maybe severe turbulence encountered now descending but then it's like not only is that a stretch but uh dennis harmer literally said like oh descending eta is 5:45. why would he then yeah, immediately exactly, say something yeah. like that so it's weird um then <laughs> some people thought it was spy code but why and what well, I mean, and why I, would Dennis Harmer be saying it and I mean, how did you know the right person had it and but really none of these theories are invalid because we don't know I mean the most likely yeah. is probably that it was either misheard or mm. misinterpreted yeah. or missent you because, know because he was a military other. pilot yeah he knew this. Morse code so yeah like mm-hmm. no he was not he was in the civilian service still but he knew yeah. he knew his yeah. code so in the end, Stendek or no, it doesn't change the fact that Captain Cook and his crew each made it through an entire world war using planes just like the one they were flying on August 2nd, 
but never in conditions as rough as could be found in the harsh environment of the Andes Mountains. Mm -hmm. And that, my friends, was the story of the Stardust Mystery, or BSAA Flight CS-59. I honestly, like, throughout most of the episode, I was recounting um, Rogue One from Star Wars. You were just not paying attention? No, I was, but I was, was, like, retrofitting it. (laughs) It has nothing to do with it. It doesn't, but still... Well, but it does not... in, a, in a sense, like, no, it, like, it like yes, it does. No, uh, no. Uh, there was a Death Star in the 1930s. <laughs> Which is a mountain. I don't know where you're going with this analogy. I, I'm not going anywhere. Anyway. But it's... It's a wild story, isn't it? 50 years later. Well, that's the thing. 51 years later. This fucking plane disappeared. We know it disappeared because mm-hmm. we never fucking... Nobody found it, yeah. We never <laughs> heard from looked, it again. never found it. We know it took off. Mm-hmm. And we also know it never landed. Mm-hmm. Where the fuck is it? And well, 50, it landed 50, just 50, not the right way. Fifty years later, yeah. And it, it just a random fucking thing. And like, it like, took those fifty years because if the ice hadn't melted, yeah. I mean, all sorts of shit. And they couldn't shit. match the yes. DNA and all that stuff. Yeah. And it just took some random guy like, oh, I'm climbing the Andes. I'm right. gonna pick this spot. Oh, Rolls Royce. Oh, this is a fucking. This is a. You know, mm-hmm. like, and you, you can almost picture it in your mind. I know, like him, him wiping off the engine. Rolls yeah. Royce. Mm-hmm. And then finding, like, other little pieces and shit, mm-hmm. which he did, mm-hmm. and being like, mm-hmm. could this mm-hmm. be that fucking plane mm-hmm. that, I, that I heard about when I was, like, a, mm-hmm. a wee lad? Right. When I was five years old? Mm-hmm. You know? If that. Because would a 50-year-old be mountain climbing? Maybe if, not. Probably maybe, not. I mean, maybe. Not. Mm-hmm. At this time, I think so. I think yeah. people were just well, fucking sure, people were just nuts in this time. They're like, "I'm 50. I'm going to climb a mountain." This is 98. Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they were nuts back then too. I existed in 98. <laughs> you did. <laughs> Me too. At any rate, I thought uh, that sort of I that took my mind off of Roe versus Wade for like a nice hour. How about you? It did. Yeah. I hope it did for everybody else too. Well, it's. I mean, it's a. It's a. It's not a mystery in the sense of it was never solved. I know I call it's, it the mystery, but it's just a, to but, be but it is a mystery in the sense of like nobody knew what happened for fifty fucking years. Yeah, it was a mystery for a long and, time, and it just and no, still nobody understands Star right. Deck. And this guy just happened upon mm-hmm. like this fucking wreckage, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, that's wild. It's amazing what mundane things that people just aren't aware of, like. The jet stream is a thing sure. that we know of now. Yeah. Pilots take into account, yeah. but they didn't know of it no. at the time. And they and they didn't. They probably didn't have certain planes weren't built for it mm-hmm. at the time. You know, mm-hmm. like planes nowadays, like you can feel like the bend and the push and the pull because they're designed that way. Mm. You know. Yeah, these are like old. Uh, the plans for yeah. this plane were built off of old old bomber. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. and that bomber is probably going against. Like physics, you know what I mean? Right, like yeah, I'm, g- no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand up to it. It's like no, you kind of work with it. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. it different philosophy. <laughs> yeah. 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 Fucking nuts. So yeah, our next episode uh, will be coming out on July fourth. I hope to have the research <laughs> that I want to ready. Um, and then you know what's coming up in just a couple weeks or a few weeks? Our five year. Anniversary. We need to do. Uh, I know a live stream. 
<laughs> Not that I don't love seeing you all. It's just we haven't planned it. Uh, and that all if that all falls on me. I love you, but it all falls on me to figure out. Well, I, I don't know the technology. I don't know how exactly. To work it. That's yeah. why I said. Yeah. I mean, if you want me to hook up, like you're our... getting farther and farther away that, from the that's mic. That's fine. It Come closer. It doesn't matter. Come like, into the microphone. Hey, come into the phone. <laughs> I can set up like our entertainment system right. just fine oh, because I know I what I'm know. doing. I don't know. I don't know that. I know cares. how to make the colors bloom <laughs> on a PS5. Maybe we'll just do a topic. I don't know. I think we should do a live stream. People have been asking uh, for it. Have they? Have they have. They? Yes, they have. have. The people been asking yeah, for it. We said we were gonna stream the mole, and we never did, and nobody cared. And now it's off Netflix. <laughs> Fuck Netflix. They took the first season. Now you'll never know how. We've got to do something different for our five year. We've got to do a live something. We'll figure it out and yeah. execute it. We've got a uh, three weeks. <laughs> You've got three weeks, <laughs> sir. Anyway, huh? We've been we've been going for a while. Yeah. Should we? wrap it up we should uh but but i also feel like this was a fun not fun episode right like it was a distra- good distraction episode but uh yes if you are a foreign listener yes and by foreign you mean non-us yes mm-hmm. even if you're canadian <laughs> yes send help that's 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 the right that's the right that's, that's the correct instinct to have do you know what that was Morse code for? I don't. So dot 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 is S, dash 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 is O. Okay, SOS. You know where I learned that? On an SOS scrubbing pad commercial in the 90s, they had all the pots and pans do the Morse code for SOS. See, we can just watch that on our live stream, and I would be entertained by it. A 90s commercial for SOS? We should watch 90s commercials on our live stream. It'd be fun. That's fine. We can do that. Yeah. And figure it out. We'll do it. This is a... <laughs> I think that's a... It's an indicator. It's time to wrap it up. Yeah. Da, 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 this da. was uh, this was not fun at all. Like, imagine being one of these people. Well, being I Being mean, like, they're not going to discover my remains for another 50 fucking they years. They didn't know that. But, I feel worse for the families. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. You know, that, that's... It sounds like they had a pretty quick death. I fucking hope so. I mean, yeah. we we all hope so. Yeah. That is the, sadly, that's the that's the, that, that's the silver lining in the story. If America is going to shit, make it quick. Make it quick. <laughs> Which we were we're already experiencing. It, that doesn't happen either. It's well, fascism is slow moving. In the words and, uh, of uh, oh god, who was it? Like Robert Burns or something. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but a whimper. Mm. I just, I, I always call back to George Carlin being like, <laughs> there are, uh, like when he says, um, there are people that run the world and there are people that don't. You are the people that don't. Mm-hmm. Like that's who he's talking to. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a big club, and you ain't in it. Yeah. And that's that's kind of how it feels right now to be a modern <sighs> modern day American. Yeah. American. But we in the out club have each other. That's mm-hmm. all we've got. So. That is all we've got, and we we've got. We're here for you. Yes, and we're we're gonna stick together yep. because that's what we do. That's all we can do. Mm-hmm. 
So that was the Stardust Mystery BSAA Flight CS59. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week.